Well, welcome to the Nice to Meet You podcast, guys. I'm your host, Kelly Craybill, and I'm so excited to have conversations with you that need to be shared more, like singleness and grief, and other conversations that I like to talk about, like building community and relationships. And for people that know me, you know that I love media, and video and photography especially. So I'll be having conversations around media as well. I'm so excited to get started with you guys. Thank you for joining me and going on this journey with me. I asked my good friend, Rebecca Slocum, to share her story about the loss of her mom. We've been friends for years. I actually used to be her youth leader, and I'm so excited to have her on the show. We both have lost a parent, and we talk about grief on this episode. It's kind of a heavy episode for the first episode, but it's so needed to discuss this topic and just what it feels like to experience grief. And I'm putting together a part two of this with one of my good friends that is a licensed counselor. So stay tuned for that episode. So you might need to grab some tissues, but here's my conversation with Rebecca Slocum. You're my first episode. How exciting. Welcome to the Nice to Meet You podcast. Welcome. (laughs) I want to talk a little bit about how we know each other first. Okay. It's crazy because I used to be your youth leader. No. Back in the day. (laughs) I met you when you were 15. And yeah, do you remember? I remember, but you know, I forgot that I was that young. Yeah. We met in the coffee mill at church with your family and uh, the youth pastor and his wife. I think it was your guys' first Sunday at church. You met us on the first day we were there. Yeah. All your sisters were there and your mom and dad. (laughs) I have very, I have some memories of that. It was fun. I think you might have been 14. That um, Probably because I, I was a sophomore. No, I was a freshman. I was 13. Wow. Yeah, I was 13. You were a youngin'. When I was a freshman. Yeah. You're advanced. That was my nickname in school. 13. 13? <laughs> <laughs> so many years later... You moved in with me for a year and we were roommates. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. <laughs> we had some good times. I think that's really what brought us closer as friends. Yeah. That's yeah. when our friendship really started. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about the wasp in the living room story for a second. Okay. <laughs> I was renting my brother's house. And the first year that I lived there, I lived alone. And... Nobody told me that every fall there were bees that would get into the wall. So I would be laying on the couch and these bees would start coming from the back of the couch out of the vent. And I was like bloody murder for my life. And it was like one bee at a time. And then sometimes there were two. But for anybody that knows me, I'm terrified of bees and wasps in general. And now it was in my living room. And they kept coming out of the wall. The next year is when you lived with me, but instead of bees, there were wasps, which are even more creepier than bees. Yes, that was so creepy. (laughs) And it wasn't like one at a time. There were multiple. And at one point, there were five on the window. Yep. We're like, okay, I think we got them all. We pulled the curtain up to 
I think close the blinds or something. And there was like, I swear there was more than five. It was like 10 (laughs) (laughs) over the window. We were like, we were done. We were over it. (laughs) So what was your traumatizing experience that I made you do with those wasps? So (laughs) I think either you gave me the bee spray or I picked it up and there was bee, there was wasps flying around and one was flying at me and <laughs> you know how the cans those aerosol cans spray a straight stream out of it it's not like a wide spray so i'm yeah. trying to spray a wasp flying at me with a straight stream of wasp spray and it wasn't working i was missing it and it was still flying at me but i think i covered every other piece of furniture with wasp spray (laughs) and you screamed like you were being murdered like because that thing was coming right at your face kelly's never heard me scream like that i don't think think you have oh my gosh and do you remember where i was while i was making you do all that Were, were you hiding in the little breakfast area no, I was sitting on the stairs with my head in my knees. Oh, yeah, you were on the stairs. I knew you were hiding. You were not. In a fetal <laughs> position. You were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think at, after that, we, like, tore the house apart. Yeah. Trying to kill everything. And then we packed our bags and left. <laughs> yeah, I think when there were multiple on the window, we were like, okay, we're done. So at midnight, we went to my parents' house and slept in their living room. Yeah, and this was not a weekend this was a week we had to get up for work a weekday. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it was like Sunday. I just remember it was, I mean, ridiculous. It was ridiculous. And then the next day when we were both at work, my mom went to let the exterminator in and she said it was like there, it was a war zone because there was furniture flipped everywhere in the living room and there was wasp right everywhere. (laughs) Yep. Good times. Glad we experienced that together. That year that you lived with me, that was like one of the hardest years, the beginning of the hardest years of my life, because that's when my dad was sick and his health was starting to decline. And that was like the beginning stages of me grieving his loss while he was still here. And you really helped me a lot with that because of you losing your mom. Do you remember like the kind of questions that I asked you? Yeah, I remember sitting in your living room and you're asking me like, so how did you deal with knowing that you were going to lose your mom? Cause it was like, my mom had a terminal illness, kind of like your dad, different diseases, but yeah. you're just like waiting. And you have those moments like where he got really sick and you didn't know if that was going to be like it. So you were like asking me like how I dealt with it, like working up to it. And then how I felt afterwards, you were asking me all kinds of questions. Yeah. And I tried to answer the best I could because I knew you were going through the stages that I went through. Just different. It was different for you. So I didn't want to tell you exactly how it is, but just kind of shared my experience. So You can't prepare for it. I mean, no. it's, it's good to like try to ask people about it, especially people that have been through it. But it's night and day. Like even when they're sick and you knowing they're going to be gone. And then when they're actually gone, because when they're sick, they're still here with you and you've never lived life without them. If it's a parent. And then when they're gone, like there's nothing you can do to prepare for how that's going to feel. 
it doesn't matter when you think you know it's they're gonna pass it still hurts so hard it hurts it hurts can you tell us about your mom's journey with breast cancer yeah so her journey started um in her 30s she celebrated her just celebrated her second wedding anniversary with my dad she had a 12 year old son my older brother tommy and me i was two um she was pregnant with my sister mindy she did start chemotherapy before she delivered my sister and then after she had my sister she began radiation and then she had a bone marrow transplant which was experimental back then i just remember as a child her losing all her hair she always had like a really big smile she was always happy yeah. and i always like see the pictures of her in her wigs <laughs> they're so weird and then um her and her head scarves she loved those but she got through it um she beat breast cancer we spent our entire childhood with her i think it was like 16 years later i was 18 she started feeling sick again and I think they, it took them a while to figure it out, like, that the breast cancer was back. I think by the time they found it, it was it was pretty bad. Way too late. She did start try some chemotherapy and some radiation, but it made her really, really sick. I think the, you know, they were just, the oncology team was finding the cancer in different areas of her body. It came back in the same breast tissue. She did have a mastectomy, but the cancer still came back in that tissue. It went to her lymphatic system her liver, her spine, her brain, and it was just everywhere. What was the time frame of that? That was about from like when she was diagnosed, I'd say 50, 51, to, and she, um, until she passed away at 53 okay. years old. So it was about three years we had with her. Um, so you were 21? Yeah, I was 21. It was in 2011 in February when she passed away. What were you doing in your life at that time when that was going on? I was in college. I was in nursing school. I was a sophomore in my nursing program. I was actually staying at home over, only on the weekends. I lived at my aunt's because she was closer to my school. Yeah, that was very, very difficult. Just because nursing school is so intense and I had so many like hopes and dreams and then, you know, your world comes crashing down. Yeah. But I, I do remember really having a hard time focusing like before she passed away. Yeah. It was really, really hard. What was it like with the other classmates that were your age while you were going through that? <laughs> Some of them, not many of them really, you could tell understood exactly. They listened. No, I really, really loved my nursing class, my nursing classmates. They were so sweet. So understanding. I remember my professor, one of my instructors, I came back two weeks later and to school and <laughs> she used me as an example, which was silly, but it's like, I want you guys to all realize that Rebecca's sitting here after she just lost her mom two weeks ago oh, gosh. and she's working so hard and focusing. All the instructors understood. Yeah. Most, most of them. Yeah. They worked with me because I was super behind. I made it. I made yeah. it. All that matters. The first like days and months after she passed away what was that like what did it feel like oh it was such I was so blah I was such a blur 
she, when she passed away, it was like everyone was at our house because they wanted to say goodbye to her. Yeah. And it was very overwhelming. And I think I was trying to get like rap reality, like figure out like, oh my gosh, this is really happening. But everyone left. And then it was just me and my sister, Mindy, and my dad, and my nephew, Aaron. And it was just kind of like me and my sister, Mindy, talk about it. Like we were just like sitting on the couch, staring at each other, <laughs> like watching. We don't even know what we were watching. We were just like numb. Yeah. And I feel like personally, I completely shut down and went inside myself. And I seemed like very quiet and timid and not my normal self at all. Yeah. That lasted for a while. I think it was just me processing and grieving. Right. When my dad passed away, I was 36. So that was a little bit over two and a half years ago. He had pulmonary fibrosis, which is a lung disease. Your lungs harden over time. So the person is getting less oxygen. So my dad was on um, a lot of oxygen and he was in and out of the hospital the last year and a half of his life. The ambulance was always called and our, our family was like on crisis mode because we never knew when we were going to get a phone call from my mom. And I was always nervous that anytime she called that it was going to be an emergency. And I was always afraid that it was going to be the last time. And you never knew what you were going to walk into when you went to her house and the ambulance was there. But the, the oxygen he was on, he had to use a, a big oxygen concentrator and then a portable um, one. And then he had um, a smaller one. So he had like two to three oxygen masks on his face constantly. And my mom was his caregiver. She took care of him 24 seven and uh, she couldn't leave the house towards the end. She couldn't leave at all. But before it got really, really bad, either me or my aunt or my brothers would come over um, to, to release her. So she'd go to the store or run errands before he passed away. I took a leave of absence from work for a month to stay with them to help take care of him. And I was there 24 seven. He passed away two weeks into that. The day of the funeral and you, I'm sure you could probably relate the, that's like one of the worst experiences I think you could ever have. It's just you're, your life, your world is falling apart and you're crumbling and you have witnesses. Like there's like a hundred people watching your life fall apart and you have to walk down the church in front of all these people. I couldn't even keep my head up. My mom and my brothers and I, we looked at the floor the whole time that we walked in the church and walked out because I could not look at people. What was it like for you? <laughs> um, very um similar sorry I'm like thinking about it crying yeah, yeah. there was just like hundreds of people I'm like whoa that my mom knew and hers was not a typical funeral it was like no hers was like a celebration there were a lot it of was people like a there. celebration worship service yeah I've never ever experienced anything like that in my life it was kind of nice because they had people come up and share memories and stuff but I couldn't like hold it together I was just like a mess yeah. and I know it was hard for you because when you when I saw you at your um, dad's funeral it was just for the calling hours is where Zach and I came it's just like the final moments you're like closing right. the book on everything you just experienced with your parent and they're gone 
and now you have to go back to life. And what does that even look like? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember the day after the funeral felt even harder than the day of the funeral because it was like this emptiness of like, I don't know what to do. And I don't feel, I don't feel like I can move out of bed. It was a few weeks that I felt, and that probably seemed short, but at the time it didn't, I had to make myself physically to get out of bed for like three weeks after he passed away. My response to it was, I clung to my strict class schedule and my part-time job. And I leaned heavily on other people. I just talked a lot about like my mom a lot to people that knew her and then people that didn't. And I did try to know that because I've experienced other people that have lost somebody and like, like controls the conversation. So I tried not to do that. Yeah. Um, It was very, very hard. It was like really hard not to dominate conversation about my mom. I don't know. It was just like, I don't know if I, grieved right away I eventually yeah did and I you still grieve but yeah I definitely like shoved it down so I could go to school and just focus right and I think my aunt she was super worried about me (laughs) she was so worried but I just that's what I had to do The, the the school offered me to take a break and come back next semester and I said if I take a break I'm not coming back yeah so I was just like, no, I have to keep going yeah. because people slip into that depression. And I, I mean, I guess I knew myself well enough then if I didn't keep going, I'm yeah, it would yeah. probably have thrown me way off. Yeah. For about six months, it was really hard for me to be around people. I did not want to be around people and I had to go to work and be around people every day. I think I clung to my family more because they were going through the same thing and understood and like people like you, like, I know I talked to you a lot about it because you've been there and it, um, it felt like I was living in two different worlds than everybody else because your whole life and perspective changes. You live in a world of people that have grieved and people that have not. And it's like two different normalcies. Yeah. You know, did yeah. you feel like that? Sort of like, I remember feeling very just shut down. Like, I I think I was who I was, and I did have to put on a little bit of a face at school. Yeah. What were your conversations with God like during that time? Minimal. (laughs) I was pretty angry, actually. Yeah. Um, So I remember a very specific conversation that I had. And this was before she, my mom passed away. This was right after she was diagnosed with cancer. Cause I'm like, didn't want to believe it. The denial stage. Uh, I think she was like resting in her bedroom after she took like some chemotherapy medication. And I was like in the hallway outside of like the bedrooms and kind of like slunk down, put my head down and like was like begging, pleading God to like, heal her yeah yeah I was just so angry and that's kind of when I when I say minimal I just kind of sat back I sat back and watched what God was gonna do yeah and I think I based my faith on that which is so wrong (laughs) and I don't know if it's right to say you know that some you have to accept it eventually but 
for me in those moments. I knew for me to like to mentally and emotionally to be able to deal with it. That was kind of how I dealt with it. The moment that my mom told me that my dad decided to go on hospice and uh, I was in the kitchen and he just got out of the hospital um, on Labor Day. He came home from the hospital. We They celebrated their 40 years of marriage at the end of August. And then the next day, and he went to the hospital. And that the day we had a party and he couldn't even get out of bed. Everybody had to come into their bedroom to see him. And uh, his breathing wasn't wasn't good. So he had to go to the hospital the next day and he was there for a week, came home on Labor Day. And the next day he decided to go on hospice. And I wailed in the kitchen and my mom just hugged me because I knew that that was it. I knew that that was going to be the final unless God healed him. Yeah, but he was just needing so much more care. And it was, it was a lot for my mom. And that's when she asked me to take a leave of absence at work around that time. So, but he, he was on hospice for eight weeks. It was kind of a miracle that he lasted that long. Even the hospice worker said that. Hospice got involved with my mom as well. They were so amazing with my mom and her end of life care. My sister was there full time with her when she was 18 years old. My sister would call them and they would say, oh yeah, yeah, this is a stage. This is, she is progressing. Yeah. And you need to call your family members and you need to let them know that if they want to say goodbye, they need to come now. Yeah. So she called and it was like, I think that was one of her <laughs> hardest moments in her life as she like explained it to me. She said she would weep in between phone calls, like be normal on one phone call and then be like wailing on the other. Yeah. Phone call. Yeah. I wasn't necessarily mad about him dying per se. I knew that that was part of life because everybody has to die. But I felt cheated because, you know, at that time I was 36, still single. I lived all of these, this adult life with my dad here and I, I never got married and he never got to walk me down the aisle. He never got to see me be a mother. And I still am single in that same place, but I felt like what the heck God, like, all these years of being able to have that chance with him and now he's gone. And I just felt like I ran out of time. And, um, as it was getting closer and closer, I just felt like I just, I just ran out of time. And then after he passed away, I had no idea how I would even date somebody at that point because I couldn't relate to anybody. And it probably took about a full year before I felt like, okay, if I met somebody, then I think I would be able to handle this. I think those are my conversations with God. Like, I, I don't understand this life that you've given me that why this had to happen like this. When did it start to get easier for you? I think it took about two years for me. I just worked through the reality of all the different stages of grief. And it just took a while, I feel like. 
but it was definitely in the fall um, before my last semester of school. I really felt like I broke free and I started becoming myself again. I don't think I noticed it as much as the people did around me. Because you know, when you're in school, you're around these people, same with work, you're around these people every day. Yeah. And I came back that fall semester. They said, you're talking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm like, oh, really? And I was happy. Yeah. I was myself. And I think for like, I don't know, like the first beginning of the program, I was just very, very quiet. Yeah. And didn't want to talk to anybody. And I did the least amount of like conversation as possible. You know, I think it was just where I was and not feeling like myself. And it took a good, good few years to come back. I was in a fog. Right. It got easier. And I could talk about it without crying and have normal conversations again. Yeah. Yeah. After about a year when I started feeling like things were getting a little bit easier with grief, because you go through all those first stages of grief. I felt like, and for me, the first year, it was like all those first stages of shock and feeling like he's coming back and not being able to, to understand the fact that he's gone forever in the first celebrations, you know, and milestones without, without them. But after a year, I started getting panic attacks and anxiety and I couldn't handle any type of noise. My counselor at the time said that probably what's happening is the sensors in my brain are not shooting off like they need to, because I spent all of my emotional energy when he was sick and taking care of him and grieving his loss. Then I, I had to step back from doing too much. Cause I'm, I'm always a person that's always doing a lot. And I had to step back from that and really simplify my life to kind of get through that anxiety and the panic and the overstimulation. And that was like a year and a half ago. I still get some anxiety, but not like that. What has it been like as you've entered adulthood and you met your husband, you got married, and now you're living this life as a nurse and a wife without your mom? Life went on pretty quick. I graduated and that was a big celebration that I wish she was at because it was pretty quick after. Got a really cool job as a pediatric nurse. I went on a few mission trips. Perfect timing. Um, Because then right after I came back from Israel, I started talking to Zach. Um, (laughs) So Exciting um, stuff. Yeah. So, and it was super fun. It was serious. And I was was there the day you met him. Yes, you were. Yeah, you were helping me with conversation. Right? Yeah. Met my husband, Zach. At that time, we didn't know. but And then we decided that we were going to get married. I went on a trip in between then, I think. I went to Ukraine um, for another medical health clinic. Yeah. And um, that was awesome. I love that country. It's beautiful. Then we decided, yeah, we're going to get married and we bought a house, which is a big deal. Right. And um, and you moved to a new city. Yeah, I moved away to up to Cleveland yeah. and in Parma, which is where Zach and his all his family, they're all around. So we're not alone. Yeah. <laughs> so we've like, we're very supported and 
we love our home. After my mom passed, like, I went through all these, like, fun, amazing things and missed her in every single moment. I'll get in my car and think, oh, I'm going to call my dad. I want to tell him about this. It's like your brain doesn't forget, you know, like these natural responses of, oh, okay, I can't call him. So, yep. Yeah. One of my thoughts were when I was in India, I called Mindy. She was so excited. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, wow, it'd be really cool to call my mom, like, and like explain to her the freezing that's happened and where I was. She yeah. wouldn't believe it. That's the part I missed, though, like being an adult and getting to know my mom as an adult. That's the one thing I just feel like. I miss the most, I think. Just like having just random conversations about what I'm doing at my house. I always think like with Zach, how much he loves nature and plants and animals. Like my mom would have loved him. Yeah, like, she would. Absolutely She would have loved him. that, yes. I don't know. I could just see God in it for sure because getting to know Zach brought a lot of memories back about my mom and her love for nature and plants. Yeah. And, it made things so much sweeter just knowing that he is very passionate just kind of like what my mom was right the the plants and growing them and caring for them what would you say to someone that's listening that is going through grief right now for someone that's going through grief just know it's okay to cry (laughs) it's okay to cry and feel all kinds of feelings and i think the best thing to do is Lean on God first, but also it's okay to talk to people about it. Yeah. It's okay to uh, see a counselor if you need to. You need to talk about it. Uh, You need to let it out. And you will see brighter days, but it's okay to live in the foggy, dark days that you're feeling. It's okay. Right. Yeah, I think it's okay to say that it's not okay. I think a lot of people do try to right. comfort when they're grieving and all some of it doesn't come off as the best approach, but when I was at the beginning stages of my dad um, getting worse and I was starting to process that a friend met me at work at, on my lunch break and in the cafeteria, I worked at a hospital and she also worked there too. We were friends for years, but she worked in a different department in the middle of the cafeteria. I broke down and said, which is what I said before, that he was never going to be at my wedding. He was never going to meet my children. And um, she sat there and she broke down with me and she cried. And that was huge for me. Like, I'll never forget that because she didn't try to give me advice. She just listened. And that's what I needed. I just needed someone to listen and to be there with me where I was at. Yeah, you can't really say anything that'll make them feel better, so... Yeah. Here's our one last question I'm going to ask you for today. How has this shaped you into the person that you are today? Definitely, there's been some work done on my heart through it. After thinking about it and going through all of the uh, grieving stages and the loss of my mom, I just envision this hammer like hitting my heart really really hard at the time where I lost her 
and there was like so much hurt and pain. There was a lot. And I don't know, I didn't, I don't think at that moment, I didn't realize that I was, my heart was very, very callous and very hard. Yeah. And the hammer, her death hit. I was either going to let the callous hardness crack a little bit and try to hold it together myself or let the hammer keep hitting and going through those stages um, until um, all the pieces were cleared so God could come in and um, make me whole again because I think that's what had to happen to get through it for me in uh, the fall before I graduated things became easier because I finally let God in and I leaned fully on him Yeah, trusted him in all things instead of trying to do it myself and trying to get through it. Right. I just knew I couldn't do life without God through it and through the loss and really anything. Like it kind of made me realize that, you know, I'm not alone and God is with me through everything. And he's with me through this. He was with me through the loss of my mom. And there's been other hard things that came through life. And uh, it just reminded me that he's with me through all of those hard things that you go through. Well, thank you for listening, friends. I really love the hammer explanation that Rebecca used. I know that God really has to work on my heart a lot of times to let go of things and allow him to come in. And there's still moments. I don't think grief ever goes away, but it does get easier. And that's what we wanted to share with you today. So I'll see you next time in our next conversation.